I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 6 of Season 6 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today, and hopefully all week, is Jim O'Kane, the grand poobah of the MXM uh, community. Welcome back, Jim. One of, one of the one of the poobahs. No, they, they crowd me well, on again, you, Rob. You can have a lot of poobahs, but there's just one grand poobah, you know. <laughs> I'll have to, yeah, I'll have just my my cap with the uh, buffalo horns on it. There you go. Um, but, there you go. Um, but you, yeah, you, you look like you look like Fred or Barney. Which one do you think you look more like? Oh gosh, I, I definitely have the bar the the Barney body. It's it's just kind of square. Um, you know, usually wearing just a, it's serrated, just so I can just slide into it. Um, <laughs> it's for, I'm built for comfort, not speed. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. But if, uh, I, I do want to apologize to your audience about uh, my voice. I'm, I have my typical seasonal allergies coming in, so I've got all kinds of allergy meds. And if I sound a little baritone, uh, that's that's usually not me. But uh, your, your voice is OK as long as you still are able to bring, you know, the trivia and info that, that, that that's what you're here for. All yeah. the things that do me no good, yes. <laughs> no, the only things that do uh, that, that are only good for shows like this. You know, that's right. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. Some, something to listen to on the uh, on the treadmill. Uh, uh, here we here we are. Yeah, so ah. many so many different things they could be. All right, so minute six begins with George saving Harry and ends with Violet greeting George and Mary in the soda shop. So wow. we we ended things on Friday with you know it was it was a little bit of a cliffhanger because you know Harry falls through the ice and we're we're listening to the narration and we're hearing you know uh, Joseph and and Clarence talking about what's going or Joseph is more or less explaining to uh, to Clarence what what's going on now do you do you, do you have any I'm I'm actually going to backtrack a little bit do, do you know the names of the two angels or heavenly bodies there's Joseph and do you remember the other one um Ah, no, because I just remember Clarence yelling, Joseph, Joseph. That's but right. I no, because he only talks to Joseph. After after the first week, we only get Joseph. But the, the other one's name is Franklin. So last week, Jay and I were trying to figure out, you know, where these names came from, because only the voice actor who does the voice of Franklin is is even listed. He's uncredited, but he's the only one who's listed on IMDb. We don't have anyone, huh. you know, for the Joseph. And we were trying to think of it, and we actually think we might have figured out, um, you know, that France, uh, Franklin is Frank Capra, and Joseph ah. is one of the writers. One of there, there were a whole bunch of credited writers. One of them is Joe Swirling. Oh, okay, that would make sense. So, I mean, it, it's, um, it's, it's an educated guess. You know, there, I couldn't find any uh, real proof of this. But it, it would sort of make sense that, you know, Capra thinks of himself, you know, he's going to place himself as the 
the higher angel, um, I guess you can say. Yeah. Yeah, the omniscient, less talking one. Yeah. So kind of the omniscient sit back and watch it. Less talking one that we yeah. that one of the things we discussed last week was if he knew that this was going to be George's day, why didn't they start you know telling Clarence this story you know earlier? Why wait until we have an hour left? <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't leave. He didn't really flesh out the rules enough. No, it's an it's enough to do exposition. <laughs> yes, yes, but uh, it's 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 still nice the way that he did it. Yeah. So yeah, so last week we ended on the cliffhanger with George uh, jumping into the ice cold, you know, broken or the ice cold water with the from the broken ice, and you know, then George and his friends all uh, create a chain in order to pull Harry and George out of you know this this little predicament. And yeah, they're very well equipped for this too. I mean, it's like they form a little conga line there, and they all seem to know what their role is in it. So apparently they've, they've had lots of kids falling into ponds. Well, you, you'd think that, that if they're in that area and they're, they're sliding down on shovels, they, they, they must be aware that this could happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, we noticed last week, there's also a sign that said, this is property that the, the property that they're doing this on is actually Potter's property. Ah, and in one okay. of the older versions of the script, Potter actually uh, chases them away. And that's what, uh, yeah, and that's how Harry uh, gets killed, you know, in the uh, the alternate yeah. ver- in the alternate world or alternate version, however you want to call it. You know, I, I'm just going to refer to it as the the Biff Tannen ver- version of uh, <laughs> the Eric know. Stoltz of yeah. Um, okay, you could also use the Eric Stoltz aspect of also, but I, I just I love the fact that you can that basically Back to the Future Two uh, mirrors It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, not something you would have thought of. Uh, I mean, apparently Zemeckis and and Bob Gale and whoever uh, I'm trying to remember who the third uh, I don't remember who the third one was. Um, I, apparently they thought of it. <laughs> yeah, so why not? Wow, yeah. we are. Uh, well, we 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 finished through that that nice beautiful 1940ish wipe. I love I I love I love wipes more than just you know cuts or dissolves and stuff. So it's a nice optical print there that it just it t- it takes it across one two three four five six seven eight frames. So it's just a nice beautiful sweep as we get rid of the action and throw it into um. It, it goes from winter to springtime when yeah uh, mm-hmm. when, George, when George gets healed. That's right, and we we and, actually get the the narration from from Joseph saying George saved his brother's life that day. But he caught a bad cold, which infected his left ear, cost him his hearing in that ear. It was weeks before he was able to go back to his after-school job at Old Man Gower's drugstore. You know, and as this narration is going by, I mean, first of all, it's great that within just seconds they're able to tell us, you know, he got sick, lost his hearing, um, had a had a few weeks uh, vacation, and then you know he was fine to go back to work. And now we know where he's working and all that stuff. It's it's very concise the way that they explain yeah. this to us. Yeah, think think about how many shots they saved there, rather than having to show it. They did tell, and you know, it's it's it, people usually say show it, don't tell it, but it really was a great economy in this in this movie that you get through all those things, and uh, and it really wasn't important to the plot. You know, they just explained we we this is what happened. This is a major event in his life, and now we just go through the synopsis and we get up to the next significant chapter. Right, that's um, true. But and, do, and do you know is it is it possible for someone to lose their hearing from just getting an infection? I would think so. I mean, you you could you could uh, rupture your eardrum and cause nerve damage as well. 
um, there's you know there's the three tiny bones in your ear could be uh, 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 you know inflamed and, and fall out of adjustment. And we have to look at the time. It's 1919. Um, it really. It, they're they're not at the medical levels that we are a century later. So it's like you, your hearing's gone. Sorry, that's all she wrote. They didn't really have lots in the way of uh, antibiotics. Penicillin wasn't even around at the time. Right. So it's uh yeah. I mean you're you know if you, he's lucky to have lived, that's especially right. as we're talking as uh, well as we'll get to later in this right. uh, episode that's about right. uh, you know what's going on in the world. That's right. But basically, I mean, I, I looked it up. And so most ear infections don't cause long-term complications. Sometimes you can have ear infections that will recur. And those can lead to serious complications. And you can one of those uh, complications is impaired hearing. Mild hearing loss uh, that comes and goes is fairly common when someone has uh, multiple ear infections. But it usually gets better after the infection clears up. Ear infections that happen uh, over and over, or if you have fluid in the ear, could lead to more significant hearing loss. And sometimes there can be permanent damage to the eardrum or other middle ear structures, which could cause permanent hearing loss at that point. So I, yeah. I guess that's what happened. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting because like, why do they? Why do you think they need this in the plot? There's really no place in the plot except for later on when he says, "Now I can hear." That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, no. I mean, the the other. No, you have Mary. Okay, with what, with Mary, we'll, well say. But also, also he he didn't participate in World War II. He couldn't be a hero like like uh, Harry because he was four F. Ah, okay. Because he had he was deaf in one ear. So that that's a significant thing that kept him. Once again, he wasn't you know in you know he wasn't in the Pacific War. He wasn't in the uh, uh, in Europe, and um, he missed out on the you know I, I don't want to say adventure the greatest. Thing you know, th this world-changing event that happened, and he was sitting at home, uh, running the uh, uh, the allotments and rationing. Yeah, right. so it was it wasn't where you know where he wanted to be at any time. He didn't right. have to okay. travel. Anywhere. All right, that is the, you're right about that. Like, I I forgot about that particular point. Uh, of it. I guess they needed to find a way to make him 4F. You know, just it's an interesting choice yeah. to to make him that he's deaf in one ear. Yeah, yeah and it's um you know it's brilliant. And it, I, it, I it's just the Again, this economy of where we're seeing th seeing things, and this probably would have meant more to people at the time. If you saw somebody who was, you know, deaf in one ear, you thought, oh, they they set up the war. Um, but he has a reason. He wasn't, you know, like he he wasn't like like shirking his responsibilities. I mean, he couldn't. He really couldn't do do much. Um, right, and and we and, we also know from from history that there were a lot of people during World War II that if they were considered 4F, they you know there there were. A lot of cases of people who committed suicide because they 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 weren't able to go you know uh, join the war effort. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you think about other other plots that relied on this, like Captain America. Right. Um. And so, uh, anyway, but we are yeah, he, you know here he here we are. He didn't and, have hearing and, problems though. <laughs> he was just no, scrawny. No, that's true. He was just scrawny. He, he was just built like he was built like uh, like young George Bailey. Only he was like in his his twenties. It's and you know again here George missed out on World War One because he was too too old. It was 1919 and uh, he just missed the first war. Right. And uh, so he's just been kind of shut out of everything. Um, yeah. Well, you're but, not going to send a 12 year old. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, um, but in, interesting time here. This uh, this is a fascinating little little change as we get to 1919. There's a rather famous pair of pictures of uh, of New York as we see. We see the uh, the world is changing 
in front of them. Um, there's a famous pair of pictures. One was taken in 1903 on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, and there was another one taken in 1913 of uh, uh, of Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. Uh, in 1903, the picture shows uh, a street full of horses, horses, carriages, wagons, and one single um, horseless carriage, an, an automobile. Ten years later, jumping to 1913, there's a famous picture with all these uh, automobiles and one uh, horse and wagon in the entire stretch of Fifth Avenue. Right. And here we're seeing we're seeing the Model T, you know, following up behind the uh, the boys who are completely clogging the street. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and we see Old Man Potter who refuses to change with the times. He's got his uh, you know as as the uh, the angels are talking to each other. He's driving by like a king in his uh, royal carriage from another age. That's right. Uh, you know, still with still, still with horses and stuff like that. You know, it's like he's he's still uh, king of the castle. Yeah, and you know he's the only uh, the only horse on the street, so he's not not prone to change. Um, but it's an interesting. It sets the tone. This is our this is the first reveal of uh, of Lionel Barrymore there. That's right. And as as Potter, old man Potter. Yeah, and I um, I love the fact that it's George who will who shouts out to everyone, "Hey, it's Potter." It's Mr. Potter. Yeah. You know, and, you know, because yeah. of all of his interaction, he's the he's the one who's only, he's the only one, actually, who's going to have interactions with with uh, with Potter throughout the, the movie, you know, of, of these six kids that are there. I mean, Harry, Harry never yeah. has any any connection to him and neither do Marty or uh, Sam. You know, we don't we don't know the names yeah. of the other two uh, friends that are there, but, you know, they're you know, I, I and, and it's great how, you know, we still have the voiceover between Clarence and Joseph Joseph and then Clarence goes who's that a king <laughs> and Joseph responds that's Harry F Potter the richest and meanest man in the county <laughs> which you you'd think that the the angel is supposed to or the heavenly body however you want to refer to it is is supposed to be uh you know a little more unbiased you know by instead of yeah. I mean obviously they're telling us that this is a mean guy yeah, let me give you their character traits so you don't have to figure it out for yourself. That's right. Which which we'll figure it out over the course of the next few days anyway, but but still, you know. And I, I've always loved the fact, at least for the last twenty plus years, you know, that that Henry Potter is basically Harry Potter. Ooh, you know, Henry intriguing. Henry and yes. Harry are the same name. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wonder what the F, I wonder what the F stands for. Um, but I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people in town already know his middle name. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, we're, we're trying to be family uh, friendly, so we shouldn't say, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, I, that's what I, of course. I mean, it's uh, obviously it's Finnegan, of but, course. um, it, Finnegan beginning. Um, yes, uh, the, <laughs> it, it's just so, it's so intriguing that, uh, Potter doesn't even look out the window. He doesn't, you know, the people around, around here are just his, uh, they're basically the, uh, uh, the renters that pay, you know, pay for his houses. So why, why does he care about what's going on in town? That's right. All the the boys are the boys have been looking around town, seeing what's going on. They know the score of what's going on out there. Yeah, and, and, and I, uh, I love how he has his initials engraved on the side of the carriage. It says HP. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you, you can't be more vain than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that all that pinstriping and everything in the multitude of little gold buttons and such. Yeah. So uh, what a just a yeah and it, it, you instantly I mean in that one shot you get a 
a measure of the man immediately. That's right. Um, wow. And and then we you now know, when, we are when now, before before we jump ahead, what, what, okay. uh, we'll find out. We'll find this information out uh, later in this week. But you know, so th- you know, obviously the beginning of this minute happens in the winter. Okay, so it must be yeah. you know January, maybe February, but probably January, right? And then it's, it well, takes them just a few weeks because you know if you got all this ice. Well, I mean, it's I mean, well, there's there's contention as to where this is taking place. I know it's that in New the York. town of Seneca Falls. It's in New York. Well, yeah, but at, I know that, there, that the town of Seneca Falls claims that it's um, it that was it, based it, on it, them. It's the yeah. real bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I grew up uh, in. Uh, well, what New York, what New York City dwellers call upstate, but it was actually uh, Westchester and Putnam counties in in New York, just north of just north of New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to take the Harlem Division Line train uh, to Brewster, New York, every every night. And uh, the name of it, who, by the way, happens to be the name of another Capper property, the Brewster family in uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I used to travel every night through Bedford Hills and Croton Falls. And if uh, I know that uh, uh, Frank Capra never really was a New Yorker, he you know went straight to Los Angeles. But I think Robert Riskin had some uh, had some background in New York, and I thought, well, if he's putting together pieces, he might have known the uh, Harlem division of the New York Central Railroad and looked at this looked at the sign that said Bedford Hills, Croton Falls. Why don't we just call it Bedford Falls? Right. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm just assuming I'm assuming this is late in the year. Where it might have been, uh, I used to skate on a little lake called Tanetta Lake, and you could skate there as late as the end of February, the beginning of March, but you were taking your life in your hands. So I'm just wondering if. So you're you're what, saying that that maybe the reason that that the ice was thin is because it was later in the season. Okay. Yeah, I think it's, right, I think it's late, later in the season, and as we come across, I mean, I. I I don't want to. I don't want to jump ahead, but we will get an exact date when all this is That's happening right. a little bit later. Right, but you also so, see that the um, boys are all carrying. You know, when they're when they're walking, uh, you know, with arms clasped together, you see they have baseball equipment with them. So, yeah, so it's, so it's already uh, it's already ready, you know ready for spring. That's right. It's already spring, uh, April, May, something like that. You know, so that that means that George yeah. was out of commission probably for about two months, based on on what they're saying here. Even though they say a yeah. few weeks. You know, it was, it was weeks before yeah. he was able to go back to work. But, you know, the assumption is that basically, you know, he's, uh, you know, that this is early to mid-spring. You know, again, we'll find out later this week exactly the exact date, which, again, there's yeah, and- there's, there's a little bit of, 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 uh, of a continuity error about that later on in this week also, about when we're talking yeah, about it. We do notice. I mean, he's still recuperating because all the other boys have some kind of piece of baseball gear. They're carrying mitts. They're carrying bats. Uh, George is carrying a rolled-up uh, magazine in his pocket. So, which I think would indicate that while he was recuperating, he couldn't do anything much but read. Um, so he just developed a, uh, you know, and while everything else was going on and he was hearing people, you know, having fun as spring was arriving, he may heard people planting their gardens or you know kids calling down saying hey it's you know it's dry let's go over to the ball game this might have been one of the you know the first week after he's been out of uh, out of bed could be because also uh, if you look that. if you look they're all all of them are dressed in baseball uniforms except for george he's the only yeah one, but, but he's also on his way to work so yeah, exactly. He doesn't he doesn't have time for for this when he's you know he's got a job to yeah, do. Maybe maybe they're so, all off to the diamond and they're dropping him off at work, you know, on the way. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, it could be that also because yeah, it, because at this point, you know, they basically bring him to the entrance of the drugstore and they like they sort of like flip him in the way that they, they yeah, and actually, which which is very the, interesting to watch. Well, the you know, and that comes from um I mean, at least on ice skating when I was when I was a kid out on the lake, that's that's called crack the whip and you'd the kid at the end you'd you'd swing him around and being the furthest out um, all that angular momentum would go to the kid on the end. So they just flip them out in the same way that you do it on the ice. Um, and, uh, he's back. <laughs> he gets, except instead of, you know, zipping across the ice, he gets, he goes zipping into the drugstore. Right. Did you, did you hear what, what, uh, you know, I mean, Sam says he, but did you hear one of the other boys, yeah. uh, screams at him? Uh, he said something about slavery. He says, go to work, slave. Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes. And then someone else wow. screams, "Don't worry, we'll take care of it." You know, so I, I don't wow. know what they're going to take care yeah. of. <laughs> no, the, I guess they're going to have to find their own third baseman somewhere Maybe. else. Uh, it's very possible. Uh, and the, wow, and we get we get tossed into that corner. I I, I do have a question about the uh, the architecture here as we're getting thrown into the drugstore. Most of the most of the architecture that I remember from this era. I mean, maybe they maybe this is an older building or something, but um, corner drugstores used to have a corner door. There'd be right. a uh, there'd be a column on the corner of the uh, you know the, the intersection of two streets, and you'd have to go around a pole to get into the uh, uh, into the store. But uh, this store apparently didn't have, uh, or maybe maybe it used to, and they they closed it off, and it one it faces one street. Um, right. It's just an un- I I found it an unusual door, but you know maybe this was just a rehab of some other some other. I, I'm assuming that that's what it was. <laughs> they probably said, yeah. okay, it doesn't need to be the corner. It's it it's located on the corner, but you don't have to have the door in the corner. Yeah, great great door too. I mean, it, it makes the kids it, these outsized doors. They're almost I mean they're, they look like they're two stories tall. It makes the kids look that much tinier. Yeah. I think. I think everything in this scene is a little bit oversized to make the kids look even smaller than they are. The the high stools, the high bar, uh, even just uh, all the countertop. Right, but is, is it to make the kids look smaller or to make it seem as if this is you know supposed this is supposed to be a hangout for adults, you know, but only kids are showing up there. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's um, and it's also an element of memory. I think it's like when you when you remember being a little kid, you remember everything being like a lot larger. When people visit their old homesteads, they're like, I don't remember it being this small. It's like, well, you weren't that big when you were there. Well, I used to go back and visit my old elementary school, and I would go there, and I'd be, you know, the urinals are so tiny. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how do they ever fit in a desk? That's like right. This? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it it's it's an interesting view, and uh, we get to. Gosh, he gets he gets thrown into the drugstore, and then we get introduced to the world of uh, early 20th century uh, pharmacies, right. which you know had everything from uh, had everything from ice cream to cigars. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's beautiful. It's so so many gadgets and widgets and things to freeze frame on in uh, in this. I'm sure I'm sure you have a yeah, couple. Yeah, just, just a few. I just wanted to point just out one few. thing. But go ahead, yeah. you can start. Yeah. Um, I love. There's a. Uh, in the background, we see some of the most popular cigarettes of the day, Chesterfields and Camels, right. arranged in alternating uh, titles. Um, anybody who listened to Dragnet, the radio version of Dragnet, would know Chesterfield. 
build cigarettes because uh, Jack Webb was pushing them all the time. Camel cigarettes being one of those popular uh, brands of the 1940s right after Lucky Strike um, because Lucky Strike basically had more more users because they were included in uh, army K rations. Uh, you get right. a little package of uh, maybe four cigarettes. Right, but that was uh, but, but that's already that's were... twenty years later. You know, this is only nineteen ninety. Yeah, that's true. You know, the, yeah, they, they you, had they didn't get that government contract. That's right. They don't have that yet. And you also can see a uh, a, a box that says on it uh, La Unica. La Unica, the only one in right. Spanish. Which, which, do you know what that is? Only one. Yeah. Um, it should be a box of That's cigars. Right. I think mm-hmm. they originally they they were originally a Cuban blend, and then the seeds uh, were moved to Dominican Republic. Correct. And currently, you can you can get you can buy a newer version of La Unica. They're not they're no longer Cuban, but they are now they're, Dominican Republic. But they're supposed to be hand rolled cigarettes. Right. I think in like the eighties or cigars. Right. I think in the eighties that's when they started yeah. uh, remanufacturing them. Um, and then you know George, we get a. a Few second, we get like two seconds of of a, of a girl sitting on a stool. You know, we, we don't yet know who she, who that is. She will play yes. a very important part in this movie. Uh, and and then George goes over to some strange little contraption, which I'm sure Jim can now tell us what that contraption is. You probably know all the history of this specific well, I, contraption. <laughs> uh, well, I do I do know that it is a spark gap cigar lighter. Um, and it was made in Davenport, Iowa, by the and now I can't read my own handwriting. It's the middle, mid middle America, wait, Midland. Mid, I'm sorry, the Midland uh, Spark Gap uh, lighter. It ran on uh, a variety of of fluids. Um, it ran it ran on everything from kerosene to gasoline. Yeah. Um, and you uh, uh, typically uh, what it is is there was a small dry cell battery, a six volt battery in the base. And uh, as you, well, as we watch uh, George as he makes a wish on this uh, on this device, he um, he pulls down on the uh, on the little latch there, and it kicks off a spark from the six volt battery that ignites uh, whatever the whatever lighter fluid he was using at the time uh, to light your cigar. Yeah. Um, I would I would imagine that the cigar would have a petroleum taste if it was a liquid. You know, dribbling out of the out of the top. It was like as you pulled it down, it activated a pump that pumped just enough fuel into that little uh, little handle there, or above the handle, little like a little fountain above the handle. It would light that and give you long enough to uh, to puff on the cigar to get it going. Um, but rather dramatic. Um, and, and Do you think it, people really they were these? That, I mean, they used it that much. Couldn't you just you know find an easier way to light up a cigar? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you, you didn't want to wind up with a match or anything like that. God forbid, God forbid. Anything. And it probably, it, <laughs> yeah, and it was it was pretty dramatic, you know, it was a pretty dramatic thing to have. And these things, from what I've been reading, they were almost ubiquitous. I mean, they were, like, every every place that sold cigars, you had one of these things. They're they're available, I mean, I've seen them on eBay and all kinds of different auction houses, but you can you can buy them today. I don't know if they, I mean, I, I would imagine the, the, the batteries are long dead. But if you ever wanted no, to, no, I, uh, I actually found on on uh, online a whole bunch of refurbished ones that you can buy anywhere, they, and they range anywhere between four hundred and a thousand dollars. I mean, I'm assuming I'm wow. assuming that there are even more expensive ones that you can get there also. I even found a video on YouTube of someone explaining how it works. You know, but but people wow. should listen to the way that Jim O'Kane explains it. It's much better. You know, 
Because for yeah, some reason, I, I mean, I saw a, a picture that there were like three batteries inside or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it there's and there's different yeah there's different configurations. This thing went through a you know multiple improvements as cigar lighting technology improved over the years. Um, but they were I mean they were like big pens or anything. It was like you found them everywhere. I I, I and other than this movie, I've never seen one no, in person. No. Every um, everywhere I looked online it, about this. It it mentions like you saw in It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> it's like that's the only place where you can yeah. actually see one, you know, from I mean this is nineteen forty six. So, you know, the, yeah, if you, and even then if it was you, already if you, it was yeah, people you, were weren't using them as much in forty six. You know, it was something that was much more popular in the twenties and thirties. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, I mean that by then Zippos had come around. So No, I think Zippos um, I think you know, we, we talked about I think you and I actually even talked about this uh a long time ago. maybe it was could it have been could have been on the greatest day were, that we talked about Zippos? Yeah. Um and I think yeah, they've been they around, around since yeah, the fifties. But I mean it, the Zippo. Oh, no, no, but yeah. they, they had them in they, they had them World War Two. World War Two. You're right. Yeah, but I'm 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 just thinking if you have one of these things, you probably should, you know, and you want to put it on some auction site or something like that. Wait until December and wait, wait for them to start showing this on, you know, marathons <laughs> on different cable channels. And then you say, hey, as you saw in last night's movie. That's right. Um, but it's it's still it, it's it's funny how impressive I mean, this is one of those things, you know, when you see this movie when you're a kid, it's like this is one of the memorable scenes. You say, what is that? And why do I want That's one right. so much? Even if I don't smoke cigars, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is. I could start. You know, this is just. I just want to hold my hold my hand up and make a That's wish. Right. Um, and, and do you? I mean, it, I couldn't find it, any information about this, but where do you think the idea comes from that you make a wish on that? I I have. I you know, you can make a wish on a star. You can make a wish on anything. I'm, my my uh, my dad used to make a wish on a bale of hay. If you if you were if you're driving down the you know driving on the highway and you saw a truckload go by full of hay, he said, "Make a wish on a bale of hay." And okay. Like okay, Dad. Right. Um, right, and then also, you know, he he makes this wish, and and he first of all, you know, they they always say that that if you're gonna make a wish, you're not supposed to make it out loud because then it won't come true, which we'll talk about later in this yeah. movie. But you know, the idea here is he just tells everybody his wishes that he wants a million dollars. You know. Yeah. How, how much do you think a million dollars in 1919 yeah. is worth in uh, 2023? I would guess maybe twenty times that. Maybe it's worth twenty million dollars. Fifteen million oh. seven hundred forty-seven. Sorry. Oh well, you were over by two and a, two and a half million. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> I, by by prices right rules, I was That's wrong. It. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for um, some reason, for some reason, wow, I thought yeah, it was even higher, but still, seventeen million. He he's asking for seventeen million dollars. You know that's the. Yeah. <laughs> In cash, and where was it going to be delivered? I, he he really should have you know listed this out, especially if you know he's going to be visited That's by right. people. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, he he did his best, and uh, he was not he didn't seem disappointed. Yeah, you know, dis, it lit up when he when he made his wish. So to do, him, do that's you a think win. that this is something that didn't always um, light up, and that was the issue? You know, it's like the idea that that if I hit, flip the switch and it doesn't and it lights up, then they don't get my wish. You know, is it is it something? Is yeah, it something that didn't always work. <laughs> That's that's what that's what I'm thinking. Maybe you know, like uh, Mr. Gower forgot to fill up the fill up the tank in the thing, and I I would love to know. I, I I'm I'm gonna have to look up that YouTube video because I want to know how you fill it up. Um, it looks like it would have a sizable reservoir, or maybe it's yeah, I have absolutely no idea. That I did not check. <laughs> I didn't I didn't check to see how much you got battery. There. And 
but I would. Yeah, and as he does this, he also yeah. screams out "hot dog," which, as as everyone who's been <laughs> listening to the show already for the last week, they know that 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 that's the tagline at the end of uh, the end of every episode. Um, but I couldn't find any reason for that exclamation. You know, everything I looked up with hot dog is basically just talking about the the, the frankfurter. You know. <laughs> The, the only things that I found that were that were different wow. is in freestyle skiing that uh, it, it can sometimes be called oh, a hot dog, hot dog skier. Tennis. Sometimes uh, you, you, you can call someone a hot dog in tennis. Um, there's an HTML editor named Hot Dog. Um, in the Archie comments, comics, Jughead's uh, dog was named Hot Dog. And uh, and wow. and I found this, and I said, "This is for Jim." There is an astronomy relation to the word "hot dog." You have any idea what it is? Uh, does it have something to do with uh, Canis Major or no? Sirius? Hot dog is a uh, hot, no, dusted, okay. obscured galaxy. Ah, okay, that that I did. Not, there's my, there my new thing for today. I'm glad, I, I'm, see, I'm always glad when I'm able to to, to teach. Jim O'Kane things, especially about about space <laughs> and uh, astronomy and stuff like that. You know, the stuff you learn makes, on this show is amazing. That's the way. That's why we're here. <laughs> wow, uh, making the world a better place. Um, oh, always, always. Wow. So he does. He does get through. He does say hot dog, which I guess maybe he'll settle for a hot dog if he didn't get a million dollars. Maybe that. Could be <laughs> yeah, and and he's really happy. He starts whistling and starts walking maybe off. He, towards... Maybe he wanted a hot. He, he, yeah. Yeah, maybe I maybe he wanted to make a hot dog at that point. You're saying, yeah, yeah. It's like oh, I don't want a million dollars. I really want lunch. Uh, yeah, so. okay, maybe could be. Yeah. And then and then he screams to Mr. Gower and he goes, "It's me, Mr. Gower, George Bailey. Who else could it be?" Yeah, some <laughs> yeah. other some other George. Yeah. And um, who's who's been manning the store since then? If you know, because Gower's is in the back. You know, you leave it leave yeah. it open. You, yeah. You think he um, you think he should have come out to see what what Mary wanted. Because she's sitting on the stool, you know. Unless he looks at his watch and says, "Ah, George will be here in ten minutes," you know, just let her wait. <laughs> yeah, he might have told her, "Just you know, wait there. I'll have my my boy is late, and you know, as soon, right. as soon as they crack the whip into the front, I'll I'll have him here." That's um, right. And then and then Gower screams, "You're late!" And he goes, "Yes, sir." Yes, we and we get to see our first view of the great H.B. Uh, Warner, which yes. this is such. This is such a departure from everything he's done in the past. Um, he was he played uh, Jesus Christ in the uh, silent films, um, and most recently he had worked for uh, Capra as the uh, uh, the guy that pretty much ran Shangri La. Chang. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Ronald Coleman's in, guide in, in, in Lost, in Lost Horizon. Horizon. Yes. Yeah. Appar- and apparently, and such- apparently he was he was offered this role. Because uh, Capra knew that he, you know, usually H.B. Warner had uh, starrier roles. And he decided to, you know, he, he offered him this role. And he said, well, if Capra's giving me this role, I'm going to take it. And, you know, he's, this is probably one of the things that he's most remembered for. Wow. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. I mean, he's just, he's completely set against type there. Um, he's an amazing actor. I can't. I, I can't remember him in a role that I didn't love him in. Even in here, he's just you, – you totally buy that he's this, uh, you know, adult pharmacist who's, you know, working out some issues that, that have just come up. That's right. Um, but we also – when we I, get to see through the glass, we get to see that he has a bottle of booze in his hand, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. picks it up. 
nice little flask there. That's um, great. One thing. One thing I do want to point out, it's on the you know stuff in the background as as uh, George is uh, clocking in. Uh, there is uh, besides the classic Pepto Bismol, the big pink bismuth uh, jars. There is a stack of um, Penetro cough syrup, and Penetro's uh, it, it's supposed to calm down your cough. Its primary ingredient was chloroform. <laughs> And it's like you could buy six ounces of pretty much solid chloroform, you know, or you could, uh, to, <laughs> to use my reference point, you could pour it in a handkerchief and kidnap Jenny and take, um, from the Rocketeer. Um, but yeah, that's it. It was you could <laughs> actually go in and buy buy a bottle of chloroform to calm that kid. You know, your kids will sleep all night after a dose of uh, Penetro cough syrup. Oh wow! Um, but just a <laughs> just a nice little thing to see on the see on the shelf there next to the Pepto. Yeah, no, I see um, it. Definitely see it. Yeah, I I, I didn't yeah. notice it beforehand, but uh, you're right. I, I there this was one one shot that I didn't look to see what was going on in the back, but you're right. That is definitely. Uh, you can see that. I, I did not know that. See, now you, you taught me something today, Chip. So there you go. We're, um, we're even so far. <laughs> and, and, um, the, uh, <laughs> underneath, underneath Mr. Garrow, uh, oh, excuse me. Mr. Gower. Underneath Mr. Gower. Hard to say it quickly. Um, but, uh, underneath him is a, uh, is a sign for gets it corn remover. Yeah. Uh, which was uh, salicylic acid, um, currently sold as things like Compound W and stuff. It's basically a wart remover, it's just more powerful. Just, just for thirty-five cents, also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what a deal. Um, it, <laughs> it's um, it's probably you know, and it, it's right there, and doesn't doesn't have any chloroform in it either, yeah. as far as I can tell. You know, thirty thirty-five cents back then is is worth uh, six dollars and twenty-one cents today. Wow. Well, I guess it, it depends on how much you want to get rid of those corns. That's right. Um, wow. So um, <laughs> he's a, uh, so uh, poor Mr. Gower is dealing with some issues. Yeah. Well, we'll and, have to find uh, out. We'll find out tomorrow what, what those issues are. And then yeah. And, and now I, I do have a que- I do yeah. have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this is Mr. You know, as we meet Mr. Gower? Do you think he's always been like this, or did he just find new reasons to be like this? I think he, I think he was borderline beforehand, and this this pushed him over the edge. That's what okay. I think. Because because yeah, otherwise I, he wouldn't have had that flask around. You know. Okay. Not, yeah. I was, it's not something that that you say. Hey, you don't wake up one morning and say, okay, I'm gonna you know take a flask to work or yeah. You know, it, yeah. I. He, you know, he's obviously been drinking early, but it's uh. I was just wondering if, like, did people generally know him for being, uh, you know, uh, hard to live with and hard, you know, like, like always dour Mr. Gower? Um, I, I don't think so. But, I, I, my assumption okay. is not, you know, but why, what, what do you think? Do you think he, he is? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he might have been, like, ornery, but not not too ornery. Exactly. Um, and this is just, yeah, I think this is just he's he's cranked up a bit. Yeah. Um, Right. So uh, and then but, the, uh, the the shot changes and we see a little girl running into the store, and then as she gets to the door, she like slows herself down, which which I yeah, think is also great because it shows it 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 makes us feel as if this girl who we will find out shortly her name is Violet, um, that she basically knows what time George shows up and therefore she wants yeah. to make sure she's there, 
and she's running, yeah, running, 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 and then she stops herself and wants to nonchalantly just walk through, walk into the door. Like, oh, I, I just happened. Oh, yeah. what a surprise! What George is here. What do you know? Yeah. Um, and she's got. Um, I've been trying to figure out. Uh, when uh, she she comes in in a rather. Uh, her her outfit seems to be more. Um, but she she doesn't look as frumpy as Mary does. She seems more stylish. And it's 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 not like she's got a she's got like a pinafore collar and stuff. She seems to have a little bit more pizzazz than Mary, who has kind of a plain collar. Well, we, we'll uh, we see, see that it, throughout the rest of the movie. I mean, the whole movie. She's yeah. that, that, There is that contrast between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, but it's just interesting how they how they set it up. That early, even at the, you know, you're saying here. even at this point she so chose the type yeah. of family she comes from. You know, she comes yeah, from a family who who will make sure that she has nice clothes to wear all the time. Yeah, yeah, she dresses to impress. That's right. And Mary's Mary's doing what she can. She put, you know, she found a fancy ribbon to put it in her hair, and um, and this doesn't seem like the first time uh, Mary and uh, Violet have competed about anything. That's right. Mary definitely has an opinion, as you can tell from her face. Yes, and and we, and tomorrow they will talk even more about it. Yeah, and then basically we get the the two lines from Violet, and she goes, "Hello, George. Hello, Mary." And then she basically gets cut off at the end of this minute. Yeah, yeah. She she lands she lands those two. It's like she's like, "Hello, George," and then to to Mary, it's just very perfunctory. It's like, That's yes, right. I, 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 like she's I acknowledge looking, you're here. She's looking at George and she like looks over her shoulder at, she's looking directly at George and over her shoulder at Mary. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's definitely, it's a, it's an unspoken rivalry yeah. or at least mm-hmm. Mary, Mary, Mary speaks her rivalry. We'll, fi- we'll find out about that more tomorrow. Right. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think Violet's a little bit more, in the aggressive camp on this yeah. thing, she's def- definitely on a mission. But we're, we're you know, we're we're kind of getting ahead of That's ourselves right. and all that. That's right. Okay. Uh, did you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we uh, get into today's segment? No, I'm 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 cool with this. All right, great. So every Monday we have a segment called Capra Monday, where my guests will give their top five Frank Capra films. So Jim, start with your number five and work your way up. Um, Mr. Smith goes to Washington would be my number five. Uh, I, it's so, and you know, it's like, if you were going to, I don't have it under my Jimmy Stewart's later on, we'll talk this week, but it's so over the top Capra. It's just, if you wanted to point out what's a Capra movie, like you throw in Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It's got Jimmy Smith. It is Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Jimmy Stewart. Excuse me. Jimmy Smith is not there. Yeah. 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 No, it's, uh. He, uh, you know, I know he was president of the public and all that. No, uh, but the, uh, but uh, I, I know I, it's Mr. Smith. That's what I was thinking. That's right. uh, Jimmy Stewart. Um, Jimmy Stewart at his Jimmer, Jimmy Stewardess, Stewart est. Right. He, he's the he's the most Jimmy Stewart you can be in a single movie, and he's you know he's this total Boy Scout uh, or whatever they called it, Forest. I forget they, what they called it in the movie, but he's like extreme Boy Scout. He's showing bird calls. And he winds up running and, and becoming a senator mm-hmm. and being being put in the Senate. And, you know, then he's up against all the machination. He, the, you know, it's like a, a room full of potters. And uh, he has to <laughs> a deal room full with of potters uh, before Eve. potter. 
Yeah, yeah, it's um, and, you know, and he's got to deal with evil Claude Rains, um, and not in a nice, not, not in the nice, you know, Captain Renault kind of Claude Rains. He's just a bad guy, um, but you know, there's there's all kinds of uh, uh, machinations going on, and he just gets he's completely naive and gets suckered into things. He has Gene Arthur falling in love with him, and it's just it's every element you can think of that you can throw into a Capra movie. It's right there, all just in I think it's 98 minutes or something. Nice short movie you can sit and have uh the liberty bell rung at you so i enjoy i, I enjoy i enjoy that that film um but uh, i have to go with uh, other ones you can't take it with you is i'm putting that at number four but it is one of my favorite capra films you can't take it with you is a lot of zaniness it's like watching an you know the adams family it's just this crazy family it has one of the one of the better movies featuring um uh lionel barrymore as a good guy, right? And Lionel Barrymore is like the grandpa of the of the of the picture. Jane Withers being his artistic daughter, who's dancing around. They, they're all everybody in the in this house kind of lives in their own world. And again, it's the little guy fighting against uh, these real estate developers who want to tear down their house in, uh, in Midtown Manhattan and build a, a giant place and destroy their neighborhood and their way of life. So it's it's just kooky, crazy, and lots of great jokes. Um, there's a there's a Russian bomber guy who likes building fireworks and things, and it's just and, and, and crazy inventions. Dub Taylor's in it. You can't you can't not like a movie with Dub Taylor. <laughs> in it. Um, so I, I put that in there. Um, then uh, I would say oh, this is a tough one. I, I, and you can't take it with you. Is also a stage play. Much like my other one of his favorites, which would be Arsenic and Old Lace. Arsenic and Old Lace is um, it's really one of the perfect uh, uh, look behind you kind of horror comedy movie. There's the fantastic characters uh, all based on the stage play. Um, you've got any movie any movie that could have a guy that looks like Boris Karloff and a guy who thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt right. in the Darn. same movie. Yeah, charge the the Panama Canal, dead bodies in a basement, poisoned elderberry wine, uh, two crazy uh, ants who are um, and uh, in the middle of it all is Cary Grant, who is he's the organizing sensibility, except he realizes that everybody in his family is crazy, um, and, and just watching him discover the kind of uh, hijinks that have been going on in his aunt's house in Brooklyn. Of it, it's it's perfect. If you're looking for a perfect Halloween story, Arsenic on a Lace fits the bill every time. And then he's got Peter Laurie in it for heaven's sake. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say watch that. Uh, getting away from getting away from comedies, uh, I want to say Lost Horizon. Lost Horizon is a classic James Hilton novel brought to the screen. Um, beautiful, uh, beautiful lush scenery. Um, a very magical story. Again, we've got H. B. Warner. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Jane Wyatt. You've got uh, Ronald Coleman, of course, in, a, in just one of his most unforgettable roles. And it's it's this place that you you know it, Shangri-La became such a term that was used by everybody, even Franklin Roosevelt, when um, during uh, the uh, the bombing of Tokyo right after Pearl Harbor. Um, People asked him where did where did the planes take off from, and he said our, our secret base in Shangri-La. So it was it was it was a you know it was a popular term, and it's become part of our culture now. Um, but but watching this movie, it's it's so much it's so much better than the 1973 
uh, Burt Backrock musical with Bobby Van in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> make make sure you're make sure when you you know if you if you're you know downloading this, renting it or whatever, make sure you get the right version. It's the 1937 version. There's there's also there's there's been a lot of cut scenes from it that um, I think they removed something like 20 minutes to make it uh, more sellable. And but you they, can uh, now you have of, you just see the pictures. Yeah, you just see still pictures, or they'll have very. I think they found in South America they found some 16 millimeter prints and just try to restore some of it. So a lot of it's been added back into the film. Edward Everett Horton's in it. Thomas Mitchell, who comes from my hometown of Elizabeth, New Jersey, um, it, you know, it's just the character. The character actors in it are fantastic. Um, you can't. I, I don't think you can watch this movie and not love it. It's just you. You fall into these characters. You. You really. Go with the, the plot really doesn't matter that much. You can just feel you can just feel all the interactions going on, and it has a lot of philosophy to it. It has a, and it has a really solid heart. It's one of it's Capra at his best storytelling. Yeah, to me that that's one of his best. Ones. Um, my favorite movie only because I wrote my master's thesis on it is Capra's last movie. A lot of people haven't seen this. It's I think there's there's really bad. There's a really bad um, video transfer of it on YouTube. Um, in 1964, Frank Capra, um, well, actually in 1962, he was hired by Martin Marietta Corporation to sell the idea of a reusable space plane. And uh, this was all going to be part of the New York World's Fair in 1964 and 1965. Uh, it was going to be the centerpiece of uh, the New York Hall of Sciences uh, uh display of rocket technology and uh it was shown there the name of the movie was called rendezvous in space uh if you watch the movie you will see a rendezvous in space between a spaceship and a space station uh many uh, while it was shown in during the world's fair seven million people saw this movie wow two of the two of the people who saw this in 1964 were two guys that were working on a um on, a, on their own science fiction movie and they got the idea of using uh, – Frank Capra was, if anything, he was very cheap. So he always used public domain. In his later movies, he used public domain music. So he dropped in classical music on top of uh, this rendezvous between a, a, a winged spacecraft and a space station. The two people watching the movie, uh, Stanley Kubrick and Arthur C. Clarke, got the idea, hey, maybe we should have that in our movie. So uh, when 2001 was made, that scene comes from Frank Capra's rendezvous in space oh wow um it's something to see it's a very difficult to explain movie if you're not sitting in the audience while this is going on because at the time when the when the rendezvous actually takes place when the ship docks with the space station the entire theater would go dark and above people's heads uh there would be a real uh mock-up of a space station and two not one, but two uh, wing spacecraft, each weighing 3,000 pounds, would be uh, moved around on the, on the ceiling by giant winch motors. At the end of the movie, they would lower those spacecraft down so the people in the audience could look at them. Um, my thesis was about how that movie affected everything from uh, the Apollo-Soyuz mission between the Soviet Union and the United States in 1975 to placement of the door that runs the adapter on the International Space Station that's flying over your head right now if you're listening in 2023. Oh, wow. Um, this, this movie is relatively unknown, but it had a lot of impact on 
the future on the next 50 to 60 years in space and it's still you know it it still has uh echoes in in future space flights so it's a it's an interesting one to see it's out there on youtube rendezvous in space frank capra and, so those are and my I five. see i see that the the you know you have uh, jim backus mel blank danny thomas yes. i mean you have some, some yeah, great they're... names that, that that are uncredited there Wow. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, uh, Danny Thomas acts as kind of the man on the street interview. He had Sid Melton, who was um, he was Ralph in uh, Green Acres, Ralph and Ma- Ralph and Alf. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry, he was Alf. Ralph was his sister. Um, but uh, yeah, Sid Melton's in it, and uh, uh, Danny Thomas talks about in the future we'll have satellites whizzing over our head, and if you're in, he says, if you're in Patagonia and you want to call home, you can just reach in your pocket and pull out your pocket phone and call anywhere in the world. This was 1964, oh, wow. so it's it's quite yeah. a it's quite a thing to see. So if you if you have time, go go to YouTube and, and watch this because it's a it's a very unusual but worthwhile thing to see. Well, Jim, you you now know that I'm going to be watching that oh. in the next uh, <laughs> day or so. Okay. So, well, good. I'm, I'm be prepared to to read a uh, a review of it. I look I look <laughs> I look forward to your review. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. Thank you very much for that. So, Jim, you want to tell people where they can find Jim O'Kane? Real easy. You can find me at jimokane.com. J I M O K A N E. Leave out the apostrophe. Um, because it doesn't work the other way, um, and you can you can find all my all my other podcasts, all my video ramblings, and uh, where you can find me on Facebook and stuff. It's all there, jimokane.com. And uh, I'm a frequent guest on a lot of the movie but by minutes shows. You can find those at moviesbyminutes.com. So just keep looking around. Eventually, you'll find one of my guest episodes. Here, so far, you know, in all six seasons, you can find uh, you know five episodes of Jim on on, on this show. Well, actually, and as of today, you can only you'll only find one of this season. But you know, yes, but you stay, know, hopefully stay, you'll be stay tuned. Yes, <laughs> that's that's right. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter and you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly Life with its sorrow, life with its tears.